3: As I was walking past the door downstairs,
4: I saw red eyes and a humanoid figure, gathering up every scrap of information she could about my life and hoarding it here, in her collection.
2: Y'all ever heard of that myth that if you wake up in the middle of the night for no reason, there's likely something looking at you? Well, maybe it's true.
5: Listener discretion advised. You're just moments away from true tales of terror that will leave you breathless. From Disturbed Media, I'm your host Chad, and this is Disturbed. Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting this episode of Disturbed. You can visit with an online counselor right from your home. Get 10% off your first month over at BetterHelp.com slash TrueHorror and start living a better life today. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash horror. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. We move on ever closer to summer, so we're bringing the heat with more true scary stories. Our first experience comes to us from Reddit user WorriedPossession43. Sometimes your stalker gets a little too close for comfort. Performing this experience is Nicole Goodnight.
2: In high school, I had a stalker. Here's the story. I'll try to keep it concise, but There's a lot of information for sure. I was 16 and we met on Facebook. He went to a school nearby and we decided to meet up for a movie. We had a great time together and ended up dating. First time he came to my parents' house, he had an ankle monitor on for house arrest and wouldn't tell anyone why, which was red flag number one. And since he was a minor, we couldn't find out. My parents obviously didn't allow us to hang out, so we hung out at his house or around at the YMCA camp. I was rebellious and naive. Things started to get weird when I noticed his family was pretty odd. One day we were having sex in his bedroom and I saw his father looking through the blinds. I screamed and called him out and his dad ran off. Stalker guy told me that his dad was just into redheads and liked to watch us. So this wasn't the first time. I went to leave and his mom was doing crack in the kitchen, so I decided it was time to break up. This is when it got bad. He started crying and told me that he's in cancer treatment and that's why he needs me. He doesn't have long to live, blah, blah, blah. I believed him and told him we could be friends. This is when the stalking started. He switched schools to my high school but never went to class. He would just stand outside of my classroom looking inside until it was passing period. When I would leave class, he wouldn't address me. He would just follow about 10 to 15 feet behind me to my next period and stand outside the classroom again. I was too intimidated to say something to him. He was 6'4 and a heavyset guy, so I just let it happen for weeks. It started to progress to where he would follow me home every day. He would get on the same bus as me despite living across town and walk 10 to 15 feet behind me all the way to my house. He would stand outside just staring up at the window until around the time my parents got home and then he would just leave. Finally, I told him to fuck off and leave me alone. I told him that we could no longer be friends or acquaintances and to forget about me. However, that escalated things way further. I started getting about 150 calls a night. Half of them were him screaming death threats and in-detail torture methods that he wanted to do to me, and the other half were him singing me love songs that he wrote on his guitar. Every time I blocked his number, he seemed to just magically get a new one and leave more messages on that. I woke up one day to see that overnight he had left me one of those dancing, singing snowmen on my porch. He had stabbed it in the head and the knife was still sticking out. He covered it in his liquid deodorant that I had previously mentioned liking the smell of, and I noticed there was a hole where the little song recording device was. When I pressed the hand, it was not the regular Frosty the Snowman song that played. It was his voice singing eerily, I'm going to have you forever. I'm never going to let you be. I was done at this point and told my parents who contacted the school. They suspended him, but he still waited at the bus stop every day and walked to my home with me. One day he ran at me like he was going to tackle me. When I tensed up for the impact, he stopped and hugged me. It wasn't a regular hug, it was like he was trying to crush me. I was 5'1 and about 90 pounds at the time and he ended up cracking one of my ribs. I cried and he started crying too before running off. He left me a voicemail apologizing in song. This one night is the night I'll never forget and it's the reason we got a restraining order and my dad got a gun. I woke up one evening for no reason, just was fully awake. I got up to go to my kitchen to get a glass of water to relax, and in the reflection on my fridge, I saw movement in my backyard. I couldn't see well because it was so dark outside and so light inside, so I went to the back sliding glass door to get a better look. When I got closer, I was met with the silhouette of a 6'4 man standing just outside the door. Stalker guy was in my backyard, under my room, at 3 a.m. He was just staring at me. I yelled and my parents got up, but he was gone by the time my dad went outside. There's a patio right outside my bedroom window that goes all the way to the ground, so it's possible he could have been on top of the patio looking directly into my bedroom window before. We got a restraining order granted shortly after that, and Stalker Guy dropped out of school. I haven't seen him since in person, but every six months-ish, he makes a new Facebook and tries to friend request me. I just block it and report it every time. Scary stuff. Y'all ever heard of that myth that if you wake up in the middle of the night for no reason, there's... Likely something looking at you? Well, maybe it's true. I don't know what he's doing now or where he went, but I don't care to know. Let's not ever meet again.
5: Support the show and get your very own shout-out, ad-free listening, bonus episodes, and more for as little as $3 a month at disturbedpodcast.com slash support. Next up, our title story coming to us from Reddit user CauseJ314. And it's in the basement where the horror lurks. Performing this experience is Matt Bradford.
3: some really, really messed up reasons to live in a haunted house. I, being of sound mind and body, don't know any of them, but I am superstitious as hell. So when the wife and I moved to New Hampshire, right on the Vermont border, we were looking for a place to rent for a year or two before we bought a house. Now for all the New Englanders here, my wife is a native, but I'm not. She's used to New England and the vast emptiness this small area has. There are places she won't let me travel to after a certain hour because that route you have to take, people don't come back from. Of course, I'm not a native, so I don't know this. So, when, also when I was working, I would come home late after dark from work and tell her I took X route. She would kind of look in shock and awe at my stupidity. We found a home right on the above-mentioned border, on the Vermont side. We loved it. It was a fantastic place to live. Except the basement. I could not shake the feeling of being watched and stalked like prey. So like any reasonable adult, I just said fuck it and didn't go down there except during the day. So, one night, after gaming for hours in my loft office man cave, I got hungry. I went downstairs, kissed the missus, and walked past my basement door towards my kitchen. I don't know if anyone reading has gone hunting, but there is a moment you sometimes experience, especially hunting predators like coyotes or wolves or bears, etc. Sometimes they know you have them in their sights, and sometimes they look towards you, not quite at you, but it feels as though they are boring into your soul, saying, You got me. Make it quick. It's an eerie feeling, and sometimes you take the shot, sometimes you don't. Well, on that night, as I was walking past the door downstairs, I saw red eyes and a humanoid figure, and I froze. I gave that same look of, you got me, make it quick. After that momentary lapse of sanity, I just scooted real quick away from the door, grabbed a weapon, and called my wife. Saying something was downstairs, Call the police. Now, there's no other entrance to the basement, and I had the door covered with my weapon from a safe position, where I could easily run from the house. Anyways, the cops show up, hide disarm, they clear the house, they find no person, but a set of money footprints that start facing towards the stairs up, that then proceed to walk into a wall in the back corner of the basement by the water heater. Now, for some context, the wall in question also blocked off the area directly under my bedroom. And it was a solid wall with a small crawl space and about maybe four inches of clearance on the other side of it. Photographs are taken, shoe sizes compared, my feet too big, wife's feet too small. Get a good contact number for the detective, wife and I stay at a hotel for a couple nights. For months afterwards, I would have the same happen, eventually minus the cops. It actually got relatively normal. Good old red eyes in the basement, chilling like a villain. Wife was less enthused by my antics, cheerfully just going on about and you know, when I would spot red eyes, I would always give them a cheery, a good time of the day. How you doing? Of which we would still have muddy footprints, and I would just clean them up. So COVID hits, lockdowns happen, and we have an opportunity to move to a better house, one where we would be able to work at home better. Now, the main reason the home was better was we had a mold issue in this house. It was in between the panes of glass in the windows. Every day we were cleaning it up from the windowsills, door frames. Hell, we had to replace pieces of furniture multiple times, and we were very clean people. We notified the landlord over multiple months, and eventually a year. And after their actions not helping at all, we decided to move. Landlord decided to get a housing inspector out there immediately after we left. The inspector comes and verifies there is a mold issue. I don't know if they met red eyes, However, they did find a metric ton of readings of high spore counts on the wall bordering the space below my old bedroom. The wall where the footprints always ended. And so, since it was filed, the inspector scoops a little bit of earth on the other side of the wall through that crawl space. It wasn't earth as in dirt. It was approximately seven feet of mold. The landlord then immediately contacted specialists to remove all of it, notified me to offer some kind of damages for it in the form of refunded partial rent payments. And all in all, it made my 2020 pretty good. Until about three months later, the landlord calls me and offers to send me a full refund of all the rent from the time I was living there, and minus what she already gave. Why? There was a corpse. The medical examiner said it was the man who owned the property before my landlord. He was a landlord who, after talking to surviving family members, wore a size 8 shoe. Smaller than my size 11 shoes, bigger than my wife's shoes by a mile. (sighs) Fuck me, red eyes. I don't know how you got there, but hell, I hope you now found peace, buddy. Sorry for not checking it out sooner. Now I did, after reading about his obituary and contacting his family, Swing by his final resting place to drop off flowers, place a stone, and share a good morning like I used to. Till better times, Red Eyes.
5: Up next, we check in with Reddit user Ella the Champagne, and we learn about the creepy coworker Performing this experience is Marianna Bradford.
1: Now, before I begin, this guy's been fired, and this whole story took place months and months ago. All right, so I was hired to work at this auto shop as a front desk receptionist. My guy friend had worked there and had gotten me the job. I checked customers in, checked them out, answered phones, entered invoices, blah, blah, blah. Now, at this time I got hired, I was freshly 15. I do in fact act mature for my age and all that horse shit, but I was still technically a child. I was also the only girl working there. Now, my two managers, let's call Peter and Alvin. Peter was my main boss, and he had a dry sense of humor, but he was cool to be around. Alvin was more openly humorous, and he was just very pleasant in general. And then there was this third guy. I'll call him Chester, because I hate that name. He was 40, with a girlfriend, as well as a 13-year-old daughter. He was very exuberant, very loud. He was quite funny. He was a dumbass, too, but this isn't the right sub. It started off decent. He would tease me like a boy on the playground, like pull my hair, poke me. Now, I laid my rules down when I first worked there. I hate being touched, that's that. Now, Chester would get as close to me as humanly possible and say, I'm not touching you, ha ha. That was annoying. I just laughed it off, although I felt uncomfortable. Then he started with a kind of sexual jokes When we were alone up front, he would go in talking about his sex life and pop a bunch of sexual jokes. My brain was automatically like, this ain't right, and I just kind of put on my customer service voice whenever I was around him. Then one day I baked the whole garage cookies. When I dropped them off, he came really close to me and sniffed me. You smell good and your hair looks nice this way. What the fuck? Nah, nope, did not like that. When I went back to work, he was going on and on about the cookies I made. He said, I know cookie is another term for something inappropriate, but I really like your cookies. Why even add that? And now my breaking point. He'd started brushing his fingers against my leg when I'm sitting down, or just trying to flirt with me in general. When I came into work one day, he grabbed me into a hug, and my mind blanked. He grabbed me, like grabbed me into a hug so I couldn't escape. I pushed him back away from me. Alvin had rounded the corner and had seen that happen, and he looked a little uneasy. I went around the other side of the counter away from Chester, and I said, I don't like to be touched, dude. Don't hug me. And he said, well, touch is how I show my affection. So not only did he ignore my attempt to tell him to stop, he also admitted to literally giving affection to a 15-year-old. I later heard from a friend that works in the garage that Chester talked about the way I look a lot, and how I look older than I am, but that he doesn't want to start anything because his daughter was two years younger. Start what, bitch? Chester was ugly as hell, by the way. So Alvin had seen him grab me, the dudes in the garage heard him talk about me, and I knew this dude was creepy as hell. A guy in the garage, let's call him Steve, pulled Alvin aside and told him that he was worried about me. He told him what Chester had been saying and how he looks to be flirting with me. Before this point, Alvin had thought he had been too overprotective because he had daughters himself and maybe he was just having his father instinct. When Steve told him that it basically confirmed his suspicions, Chester was gross." I ended up speaking to Alvin near the end of the day, asking to stay after and talk to him about something. We stayed after and I opened up to him about everything Chester had been doing. Alvin said that what I do is more important than the work he does. After that I went home and felt nice that my bosses cared for me like a human and not just an employee. Peter my boss texted me to tell me that everything's going to be okay and that it'll be handled. I ended up meeting with Peter's dad, who's the Big Boss, to tell him everything. It was very much, we've known Chester for a long time, but Big Boss is a good man. He trusted my word more. I told him everything. He has camera recording of Chester grabbing me. Chester was fired. Creepy-ass motherfucker. The most traumatic thing to me was how Chester talked about me in the garage, like some kind of sex object. It was disgusting, and then going back to the fact that he's 40 and I'm just two years older than his daughter. That shit's disgusting. I'm sure that if I wasn't such a confident person, he would have taken advantage of me. He was very much acting like a predator, and I'm very glad he's no longer part of the establishment. Guys teach your daughters to speak the hell up when people make her uncomfortable. Even the little things like weird jokes turn into something bigger. That's how it is for young women nowadays. Always enforce your boundaries and never let a guy get away with being a creep. Another thing I'll add here is that he was very friendly. He's the type of guy that made customers blush and would make your parents feel comfortable with the smooth talk. Child grooming isn't always straight up sexual advances right away. They try to get you to trust them, be their friend and then force you into things. Be careful ladies and men and all the in-between.
5: These days, so many factors can lead to feeling stressed, tired, overwhelmed and depressed. So it's more important than ever to evaluate your mental health and that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your very own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, which makes it a lot more convenient than sitting in an uncomfortable waiting room seriously, your mental health is just as important as your physical health, so don't cheat yourself. Now here's what I love. BetterHelp is actually more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And even with that, you can still get financial aid. The tools are all right there for a better you. And the thing is, what's locally available to you might be limited, and BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise. You can rest assured that anything you share is confidential, giving you peace of mind you'll have access to professional counselors who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, self-esteem, and so much more. So start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash horror. Join over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash horror for 10% off your first month.
1: Come play with us.
5: Now back to the show. And finally, we hear from Reddit user Vine Garad. And it's one person's obsession that goes too far. Performing this experience is Tom Aglio.
4: recently received a friend request that reminded me of this story, so I'm going to share it here. This happened after I went to university, so I was 18. I made an effort to make friends after I moved onto campus and ended up with a few groups to hang out with, including a new girlfriend and plenty of people from my classes that I liked well enough. There was one class before lunch where it was traditional for people to go to the cafeteria afterwards to eat in pairs or threes. I wasn't very discerning about who I'd have lunch with because I got on fine with most of the people from the class and we were all trying to make an effort to be social. So when one girl, Lily, asked if I wanted to eat lunch together after that class, I didn't have any reason not to go. We talked about school and that kind of thing. Nothing noteworthy, but she did ask me to get lunch with her again in the next week. It became a pattern, and there wasn't exactly a way to start saying no suddenly. It was fine, but it did mean I lost the chance to eat lunch with anyone else on those days. In hindsight, I suppose that was the point. One day in class, I asked someone if I could add them on social media. This happened in front of Lily. I saw her face jerk towards me from a couple of seats over. It was such a sharp reaction that it was hard to ignore, and I still remember it. By the time I got home later that day, Lily had sent me a friend request. No friends in common. Don't know how she knew my last name. I was a bit surprised, but I guess she just dug through the university social media pages and found me through there. Gave me a bad feeling, but surely it was fine? she ended up messaging me a lot and commenting on anything I posted. I told myself that she was just awkward and we became friends, if not close. I'd known worse people. She still always got me to go eat lunch with her after our one shared class. Other than that, we rarely spent time together in person. I saw her around sometimes, but I never went out of my way to hang out with her. So it was mostly online messaging and seeing each other in group settings. Coincidentally, my girlfriend was also called Lily. This was something that clearly bothered Lily, not my girlfriend who couldn't have found it less interesting, it's a common name. She occasionally hinted that she wanted my girlfriend to pick a different name, or joked about how her not suiting it. She clearly didn't like my girlfriend at all, and I had no idea why. It was hard to ignore by this point. Lily was starting to unsubtly hint that she had a crush on me. I tried not to address it, because what was I going to say? I've never known what to do when a friend makes a pass at me. I was also not interested in the least, even ignoring the weird stuff she pulled. Lily was not my type at all. She tended to dress and act in a way somewhere between a 50s housewife and one of those adults who was still obsessed with Disney princesses, if you can picture that. Things took an uncomfortable turn on the day of our last shared class of the year. Instead of asking me to lunch like she usually did, Lily asked if I'd go for a walk with her. Again, I didn't exactly know how to refuse, so I said, all right. Our campus was bordered by a large patch of woodland. Lily led me into the woods, and the sounds of our fellow students slowly faded away. She sat down on a log, and I joined her. She started talking about how she was going to miss me over the summer. I tried placating her, but I didn't want to be there, especially because she seemed almost on the verge of tears. I think I tried to make an excuse about having plans with my girlfriend, but before I could leave, Lily chose to kiss me without warning. It was uncomfortable, to say the least. I got out of there and was happy to think I wouldn't see her for a while. I came back to university after the summer, moving into a house with my friends. Without going off topic, there were some serious issues in my friend group. A lot of petty arguing and worse, I broke up with my girlfriend around the start of that school year as well. And basically the whole mess made me recontextualize things with Lily because it suddenly didn't seem as bad. That said, I didn't want to be alone with her, we mostly talked online, she was still constantly messaging me after all. One upside of everything was that I started dating a boy. Lily was not pleased to hear that news. I think she hoped to sneak in after I broke up with my girlfriend, but as I said before, that was never going to happen. There wasn't a big gap between my breakup and this new relationship, so she must've thought she missed her chance to be with me. This is where the story gets bad. At this time, I was fairly active on Tumblr. I occasionally talked about my life and mostly reblogged photos and stuff. I was on there one day when something odd happened. One of the blogs I followed had received an ask with some phrases I recognized. It took a second to register that it was taken from my about page. That made me freeze. I read the message properly. Someone was asking this completely random person to analyze a section of text from my page, asking for their opinion on the type of person who would write it. I cannot stress how messed up it was to see people thinking about me like I was a character in a book that they were trying to study. The reply was basically, I don't know, sorry, but the important thing was that the question hadn't been anonymous. It linked to someone's blog. Obviously, I wanted to know who had taken such a bizarre interest in me. As far as I knew, no one in real life other than my boyfriend knew about my page. Well, no prizes for guessing who was behind it. What I found was like a shrine. She was using a fake name, but I recognized Lily all over that thing. It was this cutesy pink and red page, there were a few posts about her interests, but most of the content was focused on her primary interest, me, most of the posts were about me. There were accounts of things I'd done recently, he told me about such and such, he went to a nightclub recently, etc. as well as references to things from as far back as I'd known her. It was clear she'd been keeping tabs on me, both online and offline, gathering up every scrap of information she could about my life and hoarding it here in her collection. She talked about us eating lunch together and how special our dates had been to her as if it was anything more than acquaintances getting food after class. She talked about the time she had forcibly kissed me in the woods, but she wrote it as if it had been mutual. She quoted lyrics from my favorite song and talked about how she'd always be there for me, no matter who else came into my life. Lots of references to loving me just the way he is, which answered another mystery about an anonymous love letter I'd received earlier that year with the same wording. It got worse. There were a lot of posts about my boyfriend as well. These weren't so nice. They got vicious, talking about how he didn't deserve me. He didn't know what he had. If she was with me, she'd be jealous of anyone else who came near me. So my boyfriend not being a jealous person meant he didn't love me. It was angry and hateful. I didn't like to think about the sort of person who could write so obsessively about being fixated on me. One thing that didn't make sense at first was that the blog also made plenty of references to Lily's best friend, Steven. She had never mentioned this person to me. Her posts talked a lot about Steven and how great a friend he was, and how much fun they had together, how he looked out for her, etc. I was trying to work out whether this was an online friend when one specific post made it all click. She had posted a photo and captioned it with, Steven sent this to me, he knew I would like it and I love it, or something like that. The problem was, the photo was taken from my own page. I hadn't sent it to her, she took it from my page and then claimed this fictional best friend of hers shared it with her because in her head she'd split me into two people. In her messed up fantasy life, I was both the perfect best friend who was always looking out for her and her soulmate who was bound to end up with her when I finally got over my sweet, kind boyfriend and all the other easy girls I hung out with that she made dozens of posts complaining about. Who was she complaining to? Oh, Lily had an audience. She asked open questions about me and her relationship with me and got messages back from her followers, people who took what she said at face value. I saw a bunch of random people agreeing with this stalker that my boyfriend didn't deserve me, and we were bound to break up soon so I could be with Lily. The person I was clearly supposed to be with. She had this fake fanfiction version of my life up for anyone to share their opinion on, and she'd made herself out to be the hero of it all. I went maybe a month back into the page's history. I did not look at everything that was there. It was too much. So I'm not sure how long this had been going on. I sent Lily a message confronting her about the blog. She said nothing, and I cannot stress how weird it was to have found pages and pages dedicated to me, with her talking about how she was in love with me and would make sure we ended up together, slamming my boyfriend and building a fantasy life with two different versions of me in it that she clearly believed to be real, then acting like it hadn't happened. She said nothing. She didn't address it. She just changed the subject even after I pushed, and it was like she hadn't even registered what I said. I've never seen anything else like it. She deleted the page, of course, or at least changed the name and hit it so I would never find it again. It wasn't the end, though. I wasn't going to hang out with her anymore, but we were still shoved together in classes and she had started to actually scare me with what she might do next. I'm kind of a paranoid person. Knowing someone was obsessively keeping track of me for who knows how long freaked me out. The next thing she pulled was trying to seduce my boyfriend. It was an absolutely useless attempt that only made him uncomfortable. He told me about it right away. What was her plan there? Did she hope to tell me he cheated and wait for me to break up with him? Why would I want her after that? And That didn't work out for her. She tried hitting on three of my other friends. None of them took the bait. She ended up dating one of my former housemates for a while but made sure to send me messages while they were together letting me know she'd rather be with me. No thanks. Lily made sure to stay in my life the whole time I was at university. There was a time when I tried to pull away from her and she ended up starting rumors about me and damaging a career opportunity I'd put a lot of work into. I don't know what else she did behind my back, but it made me realize it was safer to let her think she was part of my life while ignoring her, rather than doing something that would cause her to get angry. After I graduated, Lily still wanted to spend time together, but I knew I didn't have to now. I made excuses about work and barely talked to her after that point. I almost entirely stopped posting on social media that I knew she knew about, Of course, she didn't give up that easily. She tried to start conversations, asked me to meet up with her, attempts I usually ignored. I didn't like to think she was still tracking me online, but she probably was. I don't know how, but she'd occasionally reference things I mentioned online somewhere, somewhere she shouldn't have known about. The last time we had a real conversation, she sent me a message out of nowhere. We hadn't spoken at all in months, and we hadn't talked about anything serious in much longer than that. Thinking about that conversation still makes my skin crawl but I'll summarize what happened. At first, she asked me some questions about how long had I known I was queer. I told her some basic stuff, the kind of thing I'd tell anyone who asked. Then she changed the subject. She started talking about how I would feel about her if she was a boy, about wanting to be a boy for me. The messages quickly became fetishistic. She went into plenty of detail about fantasies she had of the two of us. Again, we were not friends at this point. We'd never been especially close, at least not from my perspective. We had barely spoken for years. I can't imagine sending messages like that to even a close friend, let alone someone who barely knows you. I tried telling her not to pull this crap with me, but she decided to change tactics. She sent photos of herself, followed by a bunch of messages, maybe four or five a minute, way too fast for me to reply before the next one arrived, basically quoting back what I told her about myself and my past earlier. She was telling me these things as if they had happened to her, she was role-playing as me. The worst part was that she seemed to believe it was real, that those things actually happened to her, even when she was quoting me word for word. Things i told her only hours before were now her life. It was like she was trying to absorb my history to take it over, to make my life part of her. Yeah, I didn't talk to her again after that. I ignored future attempts she made to talk to me, and I eventually silently deleted her from the inactive social media, which was her only real way of contacting me. I really thought she might finally move on. A few days ago, she sent me a friend request. It's sitting there, unanswered, because I know if I delete it, she'll only send another one. Lily and I met nearly 12 years ago. This story is just the highlights, and even then, it's only the stuff I know about for sure. A lot happened behind my back, I know it did. So, girl who spent 12 years obsessing over me, fetishizing me, stalking me, and harassing me, let's not meet again. The fantasy life you built for the two of us in your head is the only place you'll be seeing me anytime soon.
5: Like to bring in a story shared by a listener via the hotline at seven zero one three five four three six six seven.
0: What's up, man? My name's Nate. I'm actually a pastor here in Arkansas, and I listen to Disturbed quite a bit. But I wanted to share my story of something that was pretty interesting that happened to me. I know you more well. I think you'll enjoy it. But years ago, I used to be in a band, and uh, when we we had this practice house we went to. Uh, that my buddy's family owned. And they always said it was haunted and we had to run electricity from the main house into that one through an extension cord. And weird things would happen. Like we would hear footsteps and doors would open. One time a door flew open and met my hand. Uh, It was pretty interesting, scared me to death. But one night I went up there to party and I had been there prior that evening and everybody was getting drunk and whatever. this is back in my wild days. But I left and came back And uh, I saw my buddy Nick, he had like Lionel Richie here, asleep on the couch with a blanket over him. And I thought, well, there's one. And then I saw the light on in the area where we practiced. And I thought, well, some other guys are back here. And if I even recall right, I saw some movement in there. So I opened the door and nobody was there. And I turned around and said, well, Nick, I guess it's just you and me, bud. And when I turned around, the blanket was completely flat. And there's no way he would have had time like jump up and run out of there and then you know come to find out obviously by the next morning he was in the house so whatever it was that was there it wasn't there when i turned around like a split second later and uh yeah i remember heat going from my heels all the way up my back as i took off out of that house and i told everybody the story and they thought it was just stupid but uh i did see something there and now i bless homes because Yeah. (laughs) And though I'm a minister, uh, that's a part of it now, too. I actually go out and I bless people's houses that have similar experiences. So, yeah, uh, keep up the good work. Have a good one.
5: Thanks, Nate, for sending in your story and a pretty creepy one at that. Now, I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but I can imagine it was pretty terrifying in the moment. Thanks again. And you can share your story in your own words as well. Any creepy, scary, or unexplained experience, I want to hear it. Simply leave a voicemail on the hotline, 701-354-3667. The more you guys send in, the more I can share on the show. So please, keep them coming. If you love our show, consider leaving us a 5-star rating and review. Follow or subscribe wherever you're listening right now so you never miss an episode. And help us grow by sharing the show with a few friends. Musical score by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.